0: Been so excited to have a third service get here in all my life because I am literally running on fumes. Because you're not gonna, um, you cannot believe how close we were to not making it back here. Because as I, uh, our our travel agent only allowed us an hour and fifteen minutes to land in Honduras, get through customs, recheck our bags, and get to our other gate across the airport. It was fun, to say the least. You you cannot believe. Uh, you remember O.J. Simpson running through the airport, not the Bronco scene, okay, not that one, but running through the airport, you should see Perry Lunsford one year post-stroke do that same type of run. It's amazing to see and to watch, but no, oh, he did, don't say ah, he did phenomenal. If there was one guy who was uh, a, a strong bull this whole trip, it was Perry Lunsford. He just did phenomenally. We'll talk more about that. Some of you don't know who Perry is. We'll, we'll kind of explain that to you. But I was trying to describe to Jennifer, as we landed in, Hondur- or as we landed in Houston from Honduras yesterday, I said, babe, the, the line in customs is like Peter Pan at Disney World. And that is like the most popular ride at Disney World. No lie. There was a thousand people in front of us and we have 45 minutes to get through that line, recheck our bags, and get to our to, to our destination gate. And I'm like, not going to happen. And, and what I was already committed to do is that I was going to rent a car and drive back and get here about 3 a.m. and then arrive back here <laughs> to do these three services. But thank God we made the last flight, but here's how we did it. We knew it was prayer because literally the family goes in front of me and I'm leading our trip leading our group, and they close off the line and open it up and say, you guys go there, and we were the first ones in line. We bypassed. We did not collect $200. We did not go to jail. <laughs> we went straight to the front of the customs line, and it was just amazing. We run through the airport. We get the help of a cart for a couple of our members, including Perry, a couple who were also ill, and uh, matter of fact, Jorge and Christina uh, Tapiero are not here this morning because... Uh, They got sick over the last uh, 24 hours or so, but um, I'm going home today and crashing, but we made it. We made it, and God did some incredible things on this trip, and so we're going to share a little bit about that today, but this is not just a missions report. This is right in the theme of what we've been talking about, healthy churches. What makes a healthy church? Guys, can we switch the back um, there, back there? um what makes a healthy church today we're going to be talking about healthy churches extend god's kingdom so just say that with me healthy churches extend god's kingdom that's part of our purpose statement right part of our purpose statement what the e stands for in evc yes it's eagle but it's eagle's view church but the e also stands for that we as a church extend god's kingdom to people now we don't expand god's kingdom You can't expand God's kingdom because God's kingdom is what it is. It is all-encompassing. It is everything. We cannot expand it. It's never going to get bigger than it is right now, and it's certainly never going to get smaller than it is right now. Everything we experience, everything we see, and the things that aren't even that we don't see, that is God's kingdom. But we can't extend it to others. We extend it to others when we allow ourselves to be this conduit through which His power, His love, His concern, His care for humanity is goes through us out to a world who needs Him. Amen? So we can extend God's kingdom. But we have to ask ourselves this question, how do we do this as a local church? How do we experience that? How do we we extend God's kingdom in this place? Well, we go back to Acts 1 verse 3. And have you ever thought and wondered in your mind, what would it have been like to be with those disciples those 40 days from when Jesus was crucified, buried, and rose again from the grave to the time where he ascended to the Father, that 40 days, what would it have been like to be a part and be there and experience all that Jesus would have said? Because keep in mind, you and I are here today because of obedient disciples of Christ then and disciples ever since then for the last 2,000 years that have passed this gospel down one person to another, that we would not be here if not for the obedience of those disciples to follow that particular message of Jesus Christ. Have you ever thought about it that way? That if they had not been obedient to that message, we wouldn't be here today experiencing the blessings of the gospel of Christ, the blessings of a country where we can freely uh, worship Him, and the opportunity for us to be here even today. So let's look at Acts 1, verse 3 this morning. And it says this, He presented Himself, that's Jesus, alive to them after His suffering by many proofs. What were Jesus' proofs that He presented Himself? He said, Place your fingers in the nail prints of my hands. Place your fingers in the nail prints in my feet. Put your hand to my side where I was pierced for your transgressions. Jesus said, let me show you that this is real. So he was, he went after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them after 40 days and speaking about what? Say it together with me. The kingdom of God. Jesus was speaking to them those 40 days about the kingdom of God. Now we're going to be talking about that today and over the next couple of months as we talk about what it means to be a healthy church. Here's what our, our premise is premise is that we want to make sure that we understand what a healthy church is so that as we go forward into this great opportunity, as we drop below $30,000 paying off the property, making plans now as the architects are already working on that for this next building out on Bailey Boswell Road, we don't want to be about a new building or an old building. We want to be about who Christ has made us to be as a healthy church. And a healthy church is not dependent upon a building. A healthy church is dependent upon our obedience to do and to be what God has called us to be. Amen? And part of that is that we would extend God's kingdom. So today we're going to talk about how not only this Honduras trip, not only our work in Montreal, Canada, not only our work in Malawi, Africa, but how even what we do locally extending God's kingdom is part of being this healthy church. It's part of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is, begins in your heart and it works from the inside out to transform you to be who God has called you to be. I was talking to one of our, our team members on our Honduras trip. I was talking to him just uh, before this service. And he stayed for the first two and he's told me, God has specifically put a calling on my life. He said, and I want help from you to discern what that calling is. That's a tremendous step of obedience when we sense God calling us just from our first obedience to maybe going on a trip or maybe serving in a ministry to sensing, God, what do you want to do with my whole life? And that's what being obedient to this is all about. But we move from that this is about the kingdom of God to Acts 1.8, till we discern what it looks like as a local church to extend God's kingdom. Acts eight says this, but you... Who do you think the you is? (laughs) It's you. All right. It is you, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses. Now, pay very close attention to the language here. In Jerusalem, does, does it say then? Yes or no? No. What does it say? And. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now, we're going to take a quiz this morning. And our 830 service failed the quiz in a really horrible manner today. But I'm hoping you do better. Now, when we were flying back from Honduras to Houston, what was more important? Was the right wing most important on our airplane? Yes or no? Was the left wing most important? No. What do we need? Both. Right? When I said right wing, I swear that some of our members at EVC thought I was talking about politics and said, right wing, right wing, that's us. Okay, no. The right wing is not more important than the left wing. If you're on an airplane, let me just say, if you have only one wing, not so good for you. Okay? You understand what I'm saying? You need both wings of an airplane in order to fly. Now, What Jesus says is you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now let me explain that to us. What Jesus is saying is Jerusalem was the city, the context of what he was talking about right then. He says you will be my witnesses here and you'll be my witnesses in Judea. That was the region around which included Jerusalem but was bigger than Jerusalem. And in Samaria. Now that is the country that adjoins Judea, but it is not Judea. It's another country. And to the ends of the earth. Imagine it as you throw a rock or pebble into a pond and you see these concentric circles going out from that. And what most of us think is this. What it means is for EVC, we should be Christ's witnesses here in Saginaw first till all the need is met. And then we will go to our area out beyond us and then to the next region and then to the next when all the need is met inside. And that's not what Jesus says. If that was what he said, he would have used then. You do first one, then two, then three, then four. But Jesus says you do one and two and three and four. We do these things simultaneously. So often I get asked this question, why do we need to go to Honduras when there's so much need here in Saginaw? That is not a legitimate question when you read this verse. We need to do both at the same time. It's not the right wing and the left wing. It is not local then global. It is local and global at the same time that we do this. And never any time in history can we have more connection with the other side or other places in the world than we can today. I was able to FaceTime Jennifer every night from the Internet in our little hotel room in Sava Honduras that had just a little bit of Internet coverage there, but we were able to, to see each other. When I went to Russia for the very first time in 1993, right before Jennifer and I got married, it cost me $20 a minute to call her from the Hotel Europa, which was in Moscow, and 10-minute conversation to my sweetheart's fiance, soon to be my wife, cost me more than what I made in about a week and a half to two weeks. Okay, very easily. Till today, for just what I pay for my phone, I can talk to her and see her face every night that I'm gone. We can be more connected. We have already received pictures from our friends, our family now, our Christian family in Honduras, and we left just 16 hours ago. We've already received pictures of the continuation of the building process that we began on this trip. We can be connected. And God has called us to be connect, connected. <laughs> Danny, I'm going to kill myself up here today. I'm sorry. I'm not quite as agile as I normally am on a regular day, okay? If I fall over, somebody finish this message. My notes are here. Good luck with that, okay? Good luck with that. So we continue this process that God has called us to in extending God's kingdom. Now in Honduras this year, it was phenomenal. I'm wearing, somebody said, you're, wearing, you're more casual than I've ever seen you. Well, this is out of the poverty of the pastor and her family that we work with in Honduras they provided these team shirts for us as we left yesterday. They're embroidered with this image. Let me show this to you. It says, Honduras, Estados Unidos. Uh, Honduras in the United States. And then it says, Inglesia EVC, Texas. So this now has become our new logo that they provided us and that they printed for us. And so we are so proud of what they did because they understand this relationship that we have. The other thing that we uh, received was this map of Saba. So this is, the, this is actually the city that we work with in Honduras. And w- the folks who provided this map to us was one of the... Um, it's called a Ferosa. It is the, uh, the Home Depot. Okay, It is the Home Depot of Saba Cologne where we bought all, all of our supplies to do our construction process, and they had this map, and I'm taking pictures of it. He goes, no, no, I'm giving it to you. And so, again, out of their own poverty, they provide this. If you look right down here, this is La Pradera. This is the village that we work inside the larger city of Sava. This is La Pradera, the village. This rectangle that you see right here is the school property where EVC has tripled the square footage, given them the very first rooms that they've ever had that were actually an enclosed school building. No longer do the students that we met two years ago meet in little poles with palm leaves over the top for a school. Can you give God a hand for that? So this is now, these two things will be going up here at EVC to continually remind us of who we are that part of our Samaria is as we reach a country outside of ours in Honduras. Now, how do we do that and why do we do that? We do this because two years ago we began this journey to continually link with a particular church in a particular village called La Pradera in the city of Sava, the region of Cologne in Honduras. We do that because Perry Lunsford who was one of our members, was working with a group called uh, Living Water. And our very first trip, Chris Cox right here went on that very first trip. And uh, let's see, where where is, there she is. Your daughter went with us as well. And so we did this, and we drilled a water well in a place called Campo Nuevo. And Campo Nuevo is outside of Saba. And we began this relationship because Perry Lunsford, had already been working in Honduras and came to me and said, Randy, if we're going to invest in a country, Honduras needs to be one of the countries. It is a little bit more affordable for us to go to. It's a great place for us to continue investment. And we did that. And now, last year as we went, Perry had a massive stroke about four weeks before we went into the country. And the message of Perry Lunsford's life is that if Perry's passion gets him out and onto recovery to be able to go back to Honduras. If God can do that in him, what can he do with you? I want you to see this first picture. This is Perry uh, let's go to the go to the one of there we go. This is Perry back in Honduras these are the teachers of the school. They said we want to be we want a picture with our hero. Perry Lunsford. Is that not awesome? You've got a hand in that. So the lady to the to the left of Perry there, that is the principal of the school. These other four ladies are teachers. No longer do these teachers have to carry a bag to their school that has all their supplies for the day because they have no place to put them. Now, to the glory of God, they not only have the two rooms we built last year, but they have three additional rooms. And so we have tripled the square footage of this school over the last two years. Here you see the the two new rooms that we've built, none of those walls existed when we got there uh, last year. The only thing that existed was a pole barn structure that they used for activities, and they had their individual classrooms under these palm leaves. But not only did we do this this last trip, so as our church goes into Honduras, what are we doing? We also got to do a VBS this year. There's one of the the classrooms that's there. There's Allison and... uh, Paola holding two kids. Let's go to the VBS pictures. This year, we got to experience doing a VBS at the church that is just two blocks away. And we have begun to invest in that church. So our investment in Honduras is not just just to the school. We invested first getting to know the pastor of this church so that when we built a relationship with the school, there was already a local church that we could continue to build relationships with. And we fully expected that we would do a VBS with about the number of kids that were in the school, which we had estimated to be between 120 and 140 kids. To God's glory, they told us maybe there will be 200. I thought that was a pastor, ministerially speaking, kind of adding to the numbers. We had 260 children our first night. Here is what registration looks like. Jorge Tapiero had this great plan, this rotation, how we were going to do all these things and rotate the kids, kind of like we do here at our VBS, uh, like we did just a little over a week ago. And within 10 minutes of getting to Honduras, we had to crumple up our great plan we'd been working on for a month and throw it out because we had 260 kids in one room for two hours. Here's what it looks like. (laughs) It was crazy crazy to say the least. But what you see is we were doing some different things. We are doing little dances. So you saw uh, Christina and Paola doing these dances. There we go. Now you see some other. (laughs) Here's Kyle and I and Jorge Tapiero. We're also uh, dancing with the kids. But I want you to see the faces of these kids that we love so much. You tell me, is that worth investing your life in? Roy Kinchlo, uh Allison, Christina, would you guys come up here for just a second? This is part of our team. Can you go to the team picture there at the end? There you go. There is our team. We had a team of 11 that went. Uh, four or no, five had been previously. Roy was one of our, come on up here. Yeah. I've already, I said, what did I say? Did I say Christina? This is Paola. This is not Christina. Paola, forgive me. My brain is fried at this particular point. After the 3rd service. ser—this is the third service. Now I've promised Paola and Allison I'm not going to ask them a question, but they're going to come up later. They're going to—they're uh, what they've done in Honduras is going to come up a little bit later in the message. But this is Roy Kinslow. Let me just tell you what's gone on in Roy's life and the commitment of he and his wife. Uh, a week and a half ago, uh, Glenda, Roy's wife, her mom passed away. And the memorial service was Saturday at 2. And we had to be at the airport Saturday at one thirty. So Roy got to go to the internment, which was she had been cremated and she was uh, buried at the VA cemetery over in Dallas. But Roy and his wife made the commitment that he was going on this trip. And he was there last Saturday at one thirty. Now, Roy, this was your second trip into Honduras. Now, first of all, Roy, tell me what is that loving term of endearment that you call our children in Honduras? They're the little monsters. <laughs> Roy would say, "Here they come, the little monsters." And Roy, by the way, has the greatest voice known to mankind. Not and today. Not today. It's a little bit gone, but uh, he was a sergeant, a drill sergeant in the army. So I think that's where his voice started with this. He said, "This is the voice I've always had." You didn't even smoke, right? No. No, it came very naturally. But let me just ask you, Roy, this is your second trip. What captures your heart in Honduras? The kids, you know, going down there and just being around them and sharing the love that they have for you. Mm. It's just unbelievable. And it's just contagious? Oh, absolutely. It's addicting. So would I be true in saying that probably you'll likely go back to Honduras again. Well, I went last year, and I came home and told Glenn, we're going again. (laughs) And after this year, I'm definitely going back. That's awesome. Give these guys a hand for being part of our team. I'm not going to ask you a question. I promise you I wouldn't. You all can go back and sit down. We had a phenomenal team of 11. 260 kids, 11 of us, and by middle of the week it was down to uh, to five because some illness had hit us over the process. But what has this process been in Honduras? First to drill a water well, then to establish those relationships with the pastor, then to lead us to build a school. And we already know what the need is for next year because as we look forward to 2015, we have a sign-up back here. If, if you feel called to use your gifts and abilities in this type of way, then we want to invite you to join us. We know because we ask, like we do in our local missions and local opportunities To as we do EBC Go, we ask the question of what's the greatest need? What's the greatest need that we could meet as a church? We do that same thing with our teachers, with our wow women, our women of wisdom who work with our teachers here at the school next door. We do the same thing with Community Link. And this next uh, this summer on August the 16th, the thing that EVC is going to be beginning next week to raise money for is to provide backpacks. We're going to provide to over 200 backpacks for a great event that's going to happen August the 16th. We want to provide a host of volunteers to work with Community Link, with other churches. It's not about EVC's name being known. It's about the name of Christ being known. Amen? So we're going to work with other churches. We're going to partner with other churches. We're not in competition. We want to work with other churches to see what God wants to accomplish In this community, just like we do in Honduras, we work with a local church. Just like we do in Montreal, we work with a local church to see God's ministry continue forward. In August the 16th, we're going to be working with a mobile medical clinic and a mobile eye clinic and distributing backpacks. And we're going to work with other churches to see what's being called the greatest extension of God's love in Saginaw as these churches all come together around community link. August the 16th. You'll hear more about that starting next week. We asked the same question in Honduras. What's the greatest need? Because we had Jorge Tapiero and Paola and Christina, them using their abilities to have English as a second language, as Spanish is their first language. So now we had our own group of interpreters, which multiplied the amount of ministry that we could do exponentially as we worked with the country. We can do so much. And by the way, just so you know, Talking louder and slower to people in English does not help communicate because I am the world's worst at getting louder to help them understand me. It doesn't work, okay? Putting an O, uh, do you understand O? Does not make the same understanding in Spanish, just so you guys know, okay? No matter what you, you think you can do. But we do this and we ask, what's the greatest need? So we already know. What we're going to be doing in 2014 or 2015, their greatest need is shoes. The young men need work boots. The kids need actual tennis shoes because they play soccer all the time. One of the things that we did is that we provided every child at our VBS with a, with a soccer ball. And it was a small plastic ball, but you would have thought that we gave them the greatest gift. When they saw them, the place erupted. Getting control after that was a little bit rough. Okay, I'm not going to lie to you. It was a little bit rough. I looked at my daughter, Kara, my older daughter, and she was in charge of a craft that we were going to do, which was going to be a picture. And after they saw the soccer balls, I said, we're going to craft next, next. And her eyes were like, how do we do that? I'm like, you got it. I believe in you. You know, that kind of thing. She's like, oh, I don't think so. But we asked what the greatest need was. Shoes. The other greatest need was a wall around their school. Now, I wish I would known this two years ago, but they told us it's built in a palm grove, and they said there are boa snakes out in the palm grove. I wish I would known that two years ago. <laughs> As when we really need to use a restroom, and they said go out into the palm grove, I wish I would have known that there were snakes out there that could have killed me at this particular point. But they need a wall. We know that these are the greatest needs, and that's what we'll go back and meet. But you see, the greatest needs in Honduras may not be the same as they are here in Saginaw. We might meet a physical need in Honduras, where in Montreal, when we go there, we may meet a spiritual need. We work with a local church that's already present there in Honduras. To the glory of God, to this VBS this week, 25 kids ask Christ to be their Savior and Lord. Can you give God a hand for that? But you know, what's exciting about that is that now these kids who have this change in their eternity can be discipled because there's already a church and there's already a pastor with these kids on their heart. And so we work with the local church there just like we're the local church here. We're more connected now than we Ever could have been. We had two television stations that came and did stories. One was a local station. I was actually at the Home Depot, not really the Home Depot, but the Ferosa in the city. And my daughters and Christina and Paola interpreted. And so they got to be on the local television station for the story being done on the school. The national station came out the last day. And that actually is up on our Facebook page, EBC's Facebook page. And uh, you'll see me. I've already had church members who said, you acted like you really understood what they were saying. He said, you're smiling and nodding. And then they asked me a question and we could finally uh, communicate. But the national TV station did a six-minute story on us doing our work in Honduras. And it was televised all over Honduras. To the glory of God, these things happen. But the most important thing is that these relationships were, were deepened and children came to know Jesus Christ. Now, we work doing this in Honduras, but we also work in Montreal. Now, why do we work in Montreal? Perry Lunsford, in his heart and passion, opened the door for us to go into Honduras. What opened the door to go into Montreal? One of our church members, named Chad and Shell, or two of our church members, Chad and Shelly Vandiver, God called to work in Montreal. They moved up there a little over a year ago. And so, Bart and I, this past February, went to Montreal in 20 degrees below zero. So, we're not going to do our vision trip in February. We learned something. We're going to do it in October. October 25th and November 1st, this next fall, we'll have a vision trip to Montreal. I want you to watch this video. This is a video about Cedric and Cedric's story and the church is La Chapelle. David Poitier is the pastor there. So, watch this video and this is the church we work with in Montreal.
1: Somewhere in the city, in a petite-sized apartment with paper-thin walls, Cedric Dumoulin and his guitar gently weep.
2: I was tout le temps sous l'effet de quelque chose ou pas une bonne place ou je faisais des mauvais couilles là. Je I Je me suis mis à pleurer pour rien. The truc qui m'accroche vraiment à la vie humaine, le truc que moi je garde.
1: Somewhere in the city, in a Montreal middle school, David Potier and his French-Canadian friends behave counter to their culture.
2: The Québécois have a kind of belief in God, but are really angry and anti-church. And we said we need to become missionaries. Plant a church
1: and to make disciples. This is what happened when missionaries started a church in Montreal and invited Cédric Dumont to come.
2: À force de répétition, que Dieu venait de ren me chercher. Il dit toi, Cédric, c'est sûr que tu vas me connaître et tu vas m'aimer. Tu as pas le choix. Regarde comme je suis là. Regarde quand même, tu vas pas lui. Quand t'es sans Jésus, sans Dieu.
1: The church is called La Chapelle, and in just one year, it's grown to more than 700 cedrics
2: This is truly unbelievable. But there's also a part of me who say, okay, 700 people every week. That's nothing. There's two million people around here, and 99.9% of them don't know Jesus as their Lord. So I'm happy of what God is doing, but a part of me is like, we need more of that, and more, and more, and more of that.
1: So now, somewhere in the city, a collegiate Quebecois has put down his guitar, picked up his Bible. And changed his plans.
2: C'est pas sur mon rêve. Mes ambitions ont changé. J'ai juste dit que ben j'ai quitté m- mon étude en musique. Ça fait six ans que j'étudie en musique pour devenir musicien ou professeur. Ou, euh, et puis je suis allé l'année prochaine, puis on va étudier en théologie. Passion. Je pense que je pourrais vraiment dire que Dieu est ma vie. Puis je veux que ça soit ma vie. Hey. Ça va ça va, ouais, ça va, ouais. Et puis drôlement, maintenant je me sens tellement mal vivre. Avant je Oh, je pense live. vive. Ça me remplit tellement de je sais pas. Ça me donne l'impression de vivre au contraire.
0: Now how we nearly knew that La Chapelle was the place that we needed to work with in Montreal. There it goes. Is the Redneck baptistry. okay? Did you guys see it there? We knew that we were a church that needed to be linked together and we saw them baptizing in that baptistry because, hey, we have a baptistry just like that. But as we see that, this is the local church that we work with in Montreal. As the local church in uh, Honduras, in La Pradera, is there already in existence. And you see, they already are a part of this process of knowing what we do next, and knowing how we can continually meet these needs. It was so beautiful in in Honduras because we saw this opportunity to link our children with their children. And so we raised money in our VBS. The kids bringing money raised $370 to buy school supplies. And every child got a packet of school supplies in Honduras. We met a physical need. Here you see Allison giving out some of those school supplies. But one of the things that we did is we gave a notebook to our kids and they drew a picture for one of their kids. And those kids took the first page of paper out of that notebook and drew a picture for each one of our kids as now we see our kids coming up and understanding that there are other kids in the world who have needs greater than they. In Honduras, we met a physical need. In Montreal, it's not necessarily the physical need or dealing with poverty. It's dealing with this spiritual need that 99.9% of the Quebecois people group, it is the greatest, most unreached people group in all of North America. Why? Because they were all Roman Catholic and in the 70s and 80s, the abuse of power in the Roman Catholic Church there in Montreal was so great that everyone walked out of the church. And now there's been a whole generation that doesn't even know the name of Christ. Do you realize we are only one generation removed if we do not disciple our own kids? We are only one generation removed from people in the United States not knowing Christ, not even knowing who He is. One generation. One generation. So we meet a spiritual need in Montreal. Malawi, Africa is also some place that we work. And why do we work there? We work in Honduras because of Perry's vision and passion, and we go where God is working. We go to Montreal because the Vandiver's love and passion for Montreal, and so we we partner with them there. We go to Malawi, Africa because we have a family, the Seaver family, a family of six, no, seven, family of seven that will... In just about six weeks, move to Malawi, Africa to be lifelong missionaries there in Africa. And we're going to partner with them next. We did a garage sale just a few weeks ago to help raise money that we're going to continually support them. But also, we'll have trips that will go to Malawi, Africa. And our opportunity there is different even still because there's not an indigenous church there. And it will be our opportunity to plant new churches just like EVC was a church plant to plant new churches in Malawi, Africa. This is part of this extending God's kingdom. So here's what we do. Here's what we've been doing. Here's what we will continue to do. But the question for us this morning, and I will quickly go to these next three points with us this morning. What do we need to do as an individual believer to extend God's kingdom? The very first thing that we need to do, is we need to be who God has called us to be. We talk a lot about human beings. Uh, beings, but we really live out we're human doings. We're not human beings. We live out that we're human doings because we're always busy. Next week we're going to be uh, continuing this series, but we're going to be talking about prayer. And i got to be honest with you. Prayer is a discipline uh, that I sometimes struggle with because I am a person who does, sometimes not a very good person who is who God's called me to be. I see a need and I get busy doing it. Sometimes to the point of near exhaustion, which I'm almost at. By the way, we do stuff, but it's so important and so awesome to see when we are the church that we are present. We become who God has called us to be. It's why last week, last Saturday or last Friday evening, we got to see dads who just a year earlier, Joshua Osmond, who played the drums this morning, who was baptized. 2 years ago and I've seen this young man continue just to grow in his faith in Christ and I got to see Joshua baptize his oldest son Parker and his second son Easton. I got to see his dad got to see Joshua baptize them just a little over a week ago. Why is that important? Because you see as we've been committed when we are who God has called us to be, we can be the church. We can be the church that goes after men When we reach a man, we reach the whole family. When we reach a mom, we will reach typically the mom and the kids. If we only go after the kids, we will reach the kids, but not typically the parents. But when we go after men, we reach men, and we see the whole family transformed. Now, that doesn't mean that we we stop going after kids or we stop going after moms. But when we intentionally go after dads, we see the whole family come and be transformed. That's an awesome thing to see. But when we are who God has called us to be, we live out John chapter 5, verse 15, which says this. It says, I am the vine and you are the branches. We talked about this a few weeks ago. But whoever abides in me, that connection, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, say it with me, you can do what? Nothing. We discovered something in Honduras. When we placed electricity into the school last year, We wired up everything, Jeremiah and Roy wired up everything inside so it looked like the electricity would work, but it was not connected by the state. Well, this year we discovered that there are copper thieves in Honduras just like there are copper thieves here in the United States. So this year one of our primary objectives was making sure that there were bars and everything enclosed in the buildings that we had built so the electrical wires and appliances and lights would not be stolen. But here's what we discovered. Although the outlets looked good on the wall, if there was no connection to the power source, they didn't work. If you're going to be who God's called you to be, what's the connection between you and God? How are you connected to Him? I asked this question in the first service, or the second service. Let me ask it here. How many of you felt a call in some way, shape, or form, sometime in your life, maybe you grew up in the church, but you felt some sense or call to missions? Would you just raise your hand? I want you to look around. Look at all the hands. What if God in calling you to missions that He really did, but He prepared you and sent you to school and gave you jobs and opportunities, and you've learned skills that now God wants to place you using those in short-term trips or here in our own community. God really did call you to be a missionary, but he called you to to be missionary right where you're at and in your world by using your gifts and abilities. How many of you took high school French? How many of you took high school Spanish? Keep your hands up French speaking. What if God wanted you to use that in Montreal or in Honduras? using those gifts and abilities. As I told you, the Tapiero family, as Jorge was born in Colombia, as his daughters speak uh, fluent Spanish as literally their first language, the, the impact on what we were able to accomplish was exponential. We accomplished more on this trip than we accomplished ever before, largely because we had our own interpreters who were part of our family. Amen. Some of you, we had electricians that Jeremiah Harris used his ability as a master electrician to do things that I can't do. I don't know the first thing. Things would blow up just like they do at my house if I were to try to do electricity. But I can work and help connect Jeremiah to do that work. What has God prepared you to do? What are the things that you do? You may just have an overarching love for people. God can use that in Maybe you just love kids. Maybe you need love special needs kids. Just like we've begun a special needs ministry here at EVC. Maybe there are opportunities for whatever God has done in your life to prepare you to do there or here if you be, if you are being who God has called you to be. The second thing we do is that we serve others. Look at Galatians 5, 13 and 14. When we serve others, here's what it means. Galatians 5 says, you were, For you were called to freedom, brothers. We, we were just singing about that earlier. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love do what? Serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. Serve. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. To serve others. I said I would bring up Paola and Allison earlier. Now, Paola and Allison are both the second daughter in their families. Their older sisters are a little bit more outgoing, a little bit more um, extrovertish, if you would say, and they get involved quickly. And isn't it just like God that it was their first trip into Honduras that their two older sisters, about on Tuesday, would both become ill and could not go? And what did those two young ladies do? They stepped up. And God used them. God kind of had to move their sisters out of the way so that they could become and flourish in that environment. And they did such a great job. I was so proud of those two girls. Because they stepped up and took and ministered to kids even in ways that their sisters could not. Because they did it differently. My point is, what does God want to use you in service What has He prepared you as an extrovert or an introvert? How has He uniquely gifted you to serve others that you might, through love, serve others? So we need to be who we are in Christ. We need to serve others. And the final thing we need to do is you need to go when God leads. Does that mean go on a a short-term mission trip? Does that mean go and live in another country? Yes and no. For some of you, it will be yes. For others of you, know, Here's what we're not going to do at EBC, which I've seen done in other places. We're not going to elevate those who go on short-term mission trips to be the super Christian of the church, because that's not true. No one is better than anyone else. No one is greater in God's kingdom if you go on a trip or if you don't go on a trip. But some of our superheroes are literally those who are working in our bed baby area and change diapers to the glory of God. Amen? And if you don't think they're superheroes, you go change those diapers, all right? Liz keeps telling me and Bart, hey, why don't you guys come change those diapers? We're not called to do that. Our wives told us we were called to do that. And we did. But we need to go when God calls us to go. Matthew 28 Verses 18 through 20 is very familiar, but I want us to look at it because what it says is this. Then Jesus said to them, or came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, what? Go. Let's try it one more time. Therefore, go. go. If you feel like it, Jesus said, go. Right? That's what he said? No. If it's convenient, go. Sound a little bit like church lady there, didn't I? If it's convenient, go. No. Jesus said go. Now, he didn't say go to Judea. He didn't say go to Samaria. He didn't say go to the uttermost parts of the earth yet. But he says go. What literally is said there in the Greek language, it's actually what's called a participle, which is ongoing activity. And it says, therefore, as you are going, so that means as you're going into your homes, and your schools, and your workplace, wherever you go, naturally, as you are going, make church attenders is what it says, right? No. Make disciples. People who look like Jesus Christ. Little Christ. Make disciples. Make followers of Christ. Not church attenders who just do well to get to church once a week. That's not what Jesus said. Make Disciples who follow Christ and obey Him as to go wherever He tells them to go. He says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all things. Go to the next slide. There we go. See, I'm quoting. You got the next one, Shauna? Now, Shauna, I should be asleep. You shouldn't be asleep this morning. All right. And teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. What God has called us to be is to go when he calls us to go. For some of you, that means go on a short-term trip. That's great. For others of you, it means to be involved in a ministry here locally. For others of you, it means to be involved in the church. For some of you, it means to kind of do all three at once. But what we must do as a church is to emphasize both the local and the global at the same time. And by doing so, we extend God's kingdom, which is what it means to be a healthy church. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, I thank you for this day and for this opportunity just to share not only what you've done this past week in changing the lives of children, in changing the lives of the team that went, of changing the lives and the opportunity for us to build relationships with the country. God, I thank you for that opportunity. And Lord, I pray right now, it would be just like you to call someone to faith in you and a message that was about going and serving. Father, if there's one person here today that does not have that relationship, Lord, may they understand that they first must come to You and call You as Savior and Lord. Father, would You be with us that we might be obedient to this call to extend Your kingdom to others through love, through service, through being who You've called us to be. May we
1: be Your obedient church today. In Jesus' name.